0: Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kosesanov. This week, I am very honored and quite delighted to have as my guest, Heather Richards. Heather is a registered nutritionist and was awarded the overall academic and clinical results in nutrition by the College of Naturopathic Medicine. In addition to setting up a clinic helping hundreds of patients, she co-founded SANO with her husband, Sano is a school of culinary medicine, the UK's leading online nutrition education school. Their goal is to spread the message that food is medicine and to make basic nutrition knowledge commonplace and a message absolutely true to my own heart to empower everyone to take back control of their own health and rediscover the true benefits of a healthy mind and body. So welcome, Heather. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. And thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Uh,
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you for the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all true.
0: (laughs) So Heather, um, there's always a story behind the way that we end up following our passion. And I think Sano and what you're doing now is definitely your passion. So why don't you tell us about that? Because you actually started off life in the corporate world.
1: I did, indeed. So um, I actually started off as a chartered accountant, Um, although going back to my real roots, I was sort of at school more on the science side, to be honest. So for me, it was all about maths and science. And the maths sort of took me to study accountancy and economics at university because... I seem to think um, that it was less work, <laughs> basically, because maths just came very easily to me. So I ended up doing chartered counseling for 10 years and it was a great career and I loved it. But I then had my three children and it was really their journey. It was it's their health journeys that set me on that path of investigating how we could really help them through lifestyle, food and nutrition so you know my second daughter was born 20 at uh, 27 weeks so oh very three, premature 3 months premature um so that had its own problems and my third daughter the youngest uh, was born with congenital heart disease um and had heart surgery very young at 5 months and that brought other problems although you know we recovered from that there were obviously knock on effects to her health. And, you know, I really got tired after quite a few years of just going back to the medical traditional routes. And for things like bad eczema in particular, it was all just about cortisone cream and there was no other solutions really. And I thought, well, I can't go on with this. So that's what really got me interested in nutrition. So I then went off and studied for three years and actually had no real desire, or not desire, but no no path planned out to do anything in particular except learn. I just wanted to learn more about nutrition. Um, but it, then it, after I qualified, things sort of unraveled. <laughs> you know, I set up my clinic, loved seeing patients, loved helping people, but then really worked out that seeing patients is great but you can only help one person at a time and there are only so many hours in the day really wanted to help more so hence that was really why Sano was born because it's it's a mechanism for helping more people in a different way obviously it's not a one-to-one consultation but there's a lot we can do to empower people to take control of their own health just by teaching them and inspiring them about food and nutrition
0: Great. So, why don't you first of all let's you know Sano? If if my very very poor school Latin um, serves me well, means <laughs> health, correct? and it does. Um, uh, So, what does Sano do? What's what's exact? How how are you set up, and what do you offer?
1: So, so Sano is a, a brand. So, there are several different aspects to our brands. We we have the physical cafe, which is on the high street in London, where we are about providing people with healthy food, but it's not what people might think when you say health. A lot of people traditionally think that's a piece of lettuce, you know, it's rabbit food, I'm going to be hungry, it's going to be boring, uninspiring, all of those things. So, you know, our food is all cooked fresh from real ingredients on the premises on the day. And it is things like curries and um, we even have things like wraps and we have some burgers uh, we have salads obviously and soups and specials but they are all prepared with ingredients that are real uh, and we're also picking the ingredients like for instance the oils that we use we're picking the ones that are not the inflammatory, going down an inflammatory cascade. So we'd only cook with olive oil. So we're very selective about our ingredients, but the really, for the customer, it's about walking in the door and being able to eat delicious food, but we've done all the work. We've made sure all the ingredients are there, all the ingredients are healthy, and also that the meals are put together for a healthy balance. So that's sort of on the high street. It's taking the hard work out of being healthy, and it's not just about marketing hype. It truly is healthy. <laughs> so that's and
0: delicious. Kind of I know. I can guarantee that. You've, I've tasted you've, it. <laughs> you tried it.
1: You? Um, yeah, and so that's that's the food side of it. And then we have the online nutrition school, because obviously, you know, that brings the food brings. The, the, it brings it there, it's the physical side, it's bringing it, but it's only bringing it to those people in London or whoever visits us. But again, for the broader reach, we have the online nutrition schools where we have a number of courses which are teaching nutrition and but bringing it into a practical level as well. So we have the um, diploma, which is y- y- you're studying nutritional theory and you're applying that practically, practically by creating recipes around health. So, for instance, the first module is all about blood sugar balancing, diabetes, obesity. So someone that's studying that module will be creating recipes to support somebody that, with that health area, in that health area. Uh, and there's eight different sections. Um, and you study that. It's all very practical. So that, that can be for anybody for their own health. It can be for other uh, healthcare professionals that don't have nutrition skill, you know, or knowledge alongside whatever they do, supporting them. Uh, anyone in wellness, chefs, or you know, there are so many different types of people we have doing that course. Uh, the second course, which we've recently launched, <laughs> is uh, nutrition coaching. So that really takes the base of the diploma, but teaches people as well, how to use that in to develop a health, a wellness business. So we're teaching them how to build the business, how to coach as well. Um, and it's that's one, one package. And then the third course, which we've just launched as well, is called Nutrition for Medics. And that is really... Focused at helping them have that level of nutrition knowledge to apply in their consultations So it's not about making them a nutritionist or a nutritional therapist because you need to go and study for three years But it's giving them enough knowledge To apply it within their consultations and then signpost as well where they need to so Three different kind of areas, the three different courses, but all, all fitting, you know, different people's different needs.
0: Wonderful. And um, I mean, they're, they're all amazing. But I
1: yeah, you know, my, my ears
0: prick up when I hear the last one for medics, because oh, the medics anybody, one. anybody who has gone through a traditional yes. medical degree will know that the amount of nutritional information it's... you receives about two hours in the six years that you train, it, if you're it, lucky it,
1: It's tiny, and that's really why we decided to develop it, because I was actually doing some lecturing to groups of medics and very quickly realised that I'd pitched my talks at too high a level because I'd assumed that they knew more than they did. And it became really quickly obvious that to me that actually, you know, there's a need there, that medics do need some training at a level and it is making sure it's at an appropriate level for them because obviously it's just another string to their bow to help their patients
0: mm-hmm. absolutely uh, and a very vital one too
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah and um
0: do you uh, run workshops and things so that people actually know how to prepare food correctly because the ingredients are one yes. side but preparing things is also important
1: it is. So we bring together the, the food side and the nutrition online side. Um, we bring that together through wellness events at our cafe. Mm-hmm. So we tend to do those in the evening and they can range from anything from, you know, the cooking demonstrations to to any wellness event. It could be like brewing your own kombucha. We've had ones on women's hormones, which have been really, really popular. So yes, so we have those events. We are also in the process of actually setting up a physical cooking school. So that would be on site teaching people how to prepare healthy meals. Within two of the courses, so that's the nutrition coach courses and the medics, there is an online cookery school as well. That's within those two courses where we demonstrate how to put recipes together and just give people inspiration. Um, But we also want to obviously launch the physical one where you can come along in an evening or a couple of hours in the evening or a Saturday and learn how to do it.
0: And cooking courses are always so much yeah. fun as well, especially if you do them with a group of people. I know that they're very popular for team-building exercises. It, they're
1: they great do. for team-building really and and they're great to do as couples or to mm-hmm. friends or groups of people. There are so many possibilities. Wonderful. Yeah. So
0: we've talked about um, the offerings that you have, but it all revolves around healthy eating. So in your opinion and with your knowledge, what defines a healthy diet this is a such um uh, an area of contention at the moment you've only got to go onto the internet into youtube mm. or whatever and i think for the person on the street it's it's a minefield because they just don't know what to eat and then if you go to your doctor he's likely or she's likely to give you a completely different recommendation so let's get down to the nuts and bolts what constitutes a healthy diet
1: yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the problem we have is there's so much misinformation for a start um, and it's really important to always come back to nutritional science, which is how we teach, always based on nutritional science. But apart from that, you know, there are so many dietary models, hundreds of them. And I was think. There's a good reason for that. The reason is because we are all unique. And these dietary models tend to exist because somebody's tried something and it worked for them or it worked for a small group of people maybe that they applied it to. So people get hung up on all these different dietary models and and think you need to learn them and understand them and it's gonna work for me and everything else. But at the end of the day, I think it's actually really quite simple because we are all unique. If you understand how the body works and you are getting back to the fact that if you just eat real food, so we always talk about if if it ran, swam, flew or grew, eat it. And everything else leave behind. Because if you stick to that, you will be eating real food. So once the processed food is gone and you're eating real food and you that that will take out a lot of the the problems that, you know, with the processed foods, all the other things in there that isn't actually really food. Um, And if you're just eating real food and you're preparing it yourself as much as you can, obviously we've got to be realistic because, you know, life is busy and we live in a busy world and you're eating, you know, three meals a day. You're not grazing continuously because we aren't cattle like cows. We're not really meant to graze. We need to give our pancreas a rest you can't actually go far wrong when, when you just eat variety. So real food, it's varied. You know, you're not following fad and fashion. So if you're doing those things, you really are going to be quite good. And you you will eat, obviously you'll develop over time what suits you. So you'll get people saying, oh, I'm low carb, I'm high carb, I'm, you know, low fat, I'm high fat. But at the end of the day, it's what makes you feel good, and you find your own balance. And what means low carb to me might not mean low carb to somebody else. So that's all a little bit academic. And I think you just find your own place. That's what people used to do years and years ago. And you never eat until you're full, you eat until you're satisfied.
0: Right, that's,
1: there's a the difference. That's, yeah. that's the, so really, if you stick to those rules of eating real food, it's fresh, it's varied, you're eating three meals a day, and you're eating until you're satisfied, and then you're stopping, you can't actually go too far wrong. And obviously, you can get into a bit more of the detail then, and you can say, well, actually... um, I'm you know this person eats a lot of if we go back to the carbs you know there's always the debate about the carbs because are they as nutritionally dense as as the other foods well no the reality is they aren't but if if your starchy carbs I'm talking about now but Mm -hmm. there there's a place for those as well and it depends you can't say to somebody right this is the amount of starchy carbs you should eat if somebody's going out to the gym and pounding on the treadmill seven times a week compared to somebody that just does a walk three times a week. You can't compare those two people. They're going to have different nutritional needs. So it's working out what's right for you really. Yeah. And that, that would be a healthy diet.
0: Uh, principally though, I mean, I think we do all eat far too many carbohydrates. Um, I really, I recently interviewed um, Dr. Baltolongo. Longo. He, he, um, yes was the uh, the author of The Longevity Diet and The Fasting Mimicking Diet. He, he's a great advocate of, of fasting. Um, now, he actually does um, make up about 60% of, of the diet with carbohydrates, but complex carbohydrates. Yep. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people who would say, well, yes, but, you know, if you're not into fasting and you're dealing with something like obesity or diabetes, and 60% yep. carbs is, is a bit heavy. So... You know, they're, they're, it, how, how does a person kind of figure out if they're, if they're not just looking to eat healthily, but they actually have a condition that they're trying to treat with food, um, how, how do they know which way to go?
1: So the amount of carbohydrates you eat, it, it's it's sort of in flux with, you need to look at everything as a whole. So you need to look at your protein, your fat, and your carbohydrate. Now, if you just take your protein, actually, if you're eating a varied diet, you will be getting protein. You'll be getting it. It's it's in all our food and people don't realize that it is actually in all our food. So if you take that out of the equation for the moment, then you're looking at carbohydrates and fat. Now, we've got in the modern day diet, we've got into this high carbohydrate diet and you know we've got the eat well plate which is telling us to base our foods on all these starchy carbs but actually starchy carbs aren't that nutritionally dense you you, we don't put them like this you don't need them it's not to say you can't have them but you can have a very healthy lifestyle without them so if you were eating your um let's say your your fish, your meat, and all of those things, plus your non-starchy carbs. So you're eating your, um, you know, your vegetables, your non-starchy veg, your spinach, your broccoli, your peppers, courgettes, all of those things, plus nuts and seeds. Your diet will be good. You'll be be getting enough fibre, and you'll be getting all of your macro and micronutrients. However, that's not to say you can't have some starchy carbs but it has got completely out of control because mainly because of processed food and 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 also portions of size portions you know you you get you see people serving up a a big bowl of um, rice with a little bit of bolognese sauce on or the same with spaghetti or pasta and really if you're looking to Balanced blood sugar levels which we all should be then we don't need very many starchy carbs at all because those are the things that are going to affect our blood sugar the most obviously it's it's those starchy carbs that are going to send our blood sugar high obviously the more simple they are the more it's going to be effective so if you're going to eat simple sugars whether that's honey or coconut sugar so forget all these fancy names that people think it's so much better because it's called coconut sugar It's still sugar. It's still a carb where whatever it is, it's going to send your blood sugar high, which we don't want for any, whether we're currently suffering from a condition or not. You know, we don't want our blood sugar shooting up and down because every time it shoots up, we have to, our body has to do something with the sugar in the blood. So it's got to work hard. It's got to bring that blood sugar level back down. When it brings it back down it sometimes brings it down slightly too low and that's when you get that hunger pang and you reach and you'll go and grab some more sugar so you end up with this yo-yo so avoiding those simple sugars for all of us and then really the complex carbs again it it's about really you can't put an amount on it obviously Mm -hmm. because you know we're all individual but what i'm saying is you don't particularly need them for good health so it's about keeping them at a minimal level you know to keep those blood sugars balanced and healthy blood sugar balancing if, if you've got nice stable blood sugars then that's a good place to be
0: Yeah, they've just brought out this continuous glucose monitoring uh, device. Um, I know that that that's also uh, uh, very contentious. A lot of people say, oh, that makes people neurotic, you shouldn't do that. But I actually think it's not a bad idea for like 24 hours or a week just to actually give you personal feedback how your body responds to the food that you eat. Because I think a lot of people are not aware of the fact that, you know, If you eat a slice of bread, you know, it's, it's probably got, you know, it's going to raise your, your blood sugar levels much higher than, than maybe a couple of spoonfuls of sugar in your tea or something, which is not an immediate sort of, you know, brain loop for most people.
1: No, exactly. And it, whatever carbohydrate you eat, it is going to affect your blood sugar.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and obviously the ones that are more complex or if you're eating them with a meal there's a slower release because there it might be harder to digest them the slow release into the blood sugar so there is going to be a difference but at the end of the day carbohydrate will always impact your blood sugar and that was the point where I, I talked earlier about the snacking If you're snacking, and I think, again, this has become one of those modern world things, people grazing, because there was a lot of talk about keep your blood sugars balanced, have a snack, have a snack. But actually, it does the opposite. And if you're just eating your three meals a day, your body is only trying to bring your blood sugars back to that homeostasis three times a day. If you're eating five or six times a day, it's trying to do it five or six times a day or even more. You know, think every time you eat or drink. And there's a margin for error every time. And that margin for error can make you go off and then crave something else to eat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it, it's an absolute vicious cycle.
0: Right. I think another huge problem is is labeling. I mean, you 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 mentioned that. I mean, I was reading an article fairly recently that said there was something like over 150 different ways of yes. describing sugar. And I mean, if you see a label with muscovado written on it, you don't immediately know that that's sugar. I mean, this is quite an intentional thing from the food industry, isn't it?
1: It is an intentional thing. And that's where we come back to real food. Right. And, you know, ran, swam, flew or grew because those things aren't labeled. And the reason they're not labeled is because they're real food. So actually, it it does break down to being quite simple. If, If you're buying something that's got a label on it, you've got to really question, you know, should you be using it? And as I said, we have to be realistic here. This isn't about doing everything, you know, perfectly and never buying anything. But it's just something to be aware of because the, the more you move to the, the real food and preparing things yourself, the less problems you will have. You, you, know, you won't find all those hidden ingredients because they aren't hidden in, in the real foods. Right, it's, it's the processed foods. And who wants to sit there reading labels anyway? Right. <laughs> you, you really don't.
0: No, absolutely not. Absolutely, especially I think most people don't even understand what half those things, especially when they've got an E no. in front of them. You have no idea what that is. So no,
1: no, I, I always think if, if if something's got more than a couple of ingredients on the packet, I'm really really not interested because why does it need to have all that stuff in? In and even if you think of some of the things that perhaps you enjoy, um, I don't know. Let's take ice cream. Say hot summer. Last summer definitely needed ice cream, but if you think about what should be in ice cream It's not very much. It's kind of cream Probably a bit of sugar and maybe if it was chocolate maybe cacao or something like that and that really is about it If you pick up a a pot of ice cream from the supermarket and look on the side, how many ingredients are there? colorings and stabilizers and All sorts of stuff. You don't even know what it is
0: Right Right, exactly. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is that there's a huge trend at the moment um, of people going vegan, which I think is great. My daughter being one of them, good for her. However, I think a lot of vegans, first of all, don't understand that being vegan has its issues. And secondly, that being vegan is not necessarily healthy. I mean, if you said exactly as you said, if you snack all day and if you live off vegan pizza, that's probably not the best thing for you. So, can you maybe talk about um, so how to how to support vegans in in having a healthy diet, and also perhaps also address if they need and which supplements they should perhaps. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so quite rightly, as you said, you know, it's the same with vegetarians. You can have a healthy vegetarian uh, and you can have one that says they're vegetarian, but actually they're just eating processed foods. So, you know, if you're going to be vegan, then you need to do it properly. And that is, again, about eating real food. And I do see this on Instagram so much where you've got the vegans saying, you know, showing you their meal. And it's like, Oh, vegan chicken or vegan this and I'm thinking what on earth is in vegan chicken or you know we are talking about eating processed food if that's where we've got to so really to be a healthy vegan first of all it's got to be real food and if you're eating substitutes which are really just processed foods that are called, you know they're obviously vegan but it's processed food you're really not doing yourself any favors at all a good vegan can eat really well you know you, you've got all your uh, pulses and obviously all your veg there's there's plenty of things there for you to eat to have the variety you've probably got to work a bit harder at it but there's plenty of food there the the risk with the vegans though is obviously the b12 vitamin b12 because it's something that we really do do get from animal products so that's always one that vegans if they don't supplement will be deficient in and i haven't actually i don't think i've had a patient that's a vegan that hasn't had a deficiency if they're not supplementing there's just there's there's no real other way of, of getting your b12 and i think most vegans are aware of that in today's age, the other one, of course, is potentially the omegas, the omega three, the fatty acids, because um, although you can eat your flax seeds and your your walnuts and all those things, the omega three plant sources of of um, omega three fatty acids, as humans, we don't convert that source into a a form that we can use within our bodies very efficiently. Our conversion is poor. Unless you're a pregnant woman, when it ramps up our our conversion by about 12 times. So the preformed omega-3, the EPA, that's in basically your oily fish. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you're vegan, you're not going to get that. So that's in your sort of, we call them a smash fish, salmon, mackerel, anchovies, herring and sardines I said that in the wrong order but <laughs> <laughs> so obviously if you're vegan you're not getting that now there are um there are there's always some debate and there's not enough research but there has been debate that if you are vegan and a long-term vegan then your body starts to make the conversion more effectively than if you're non-vegan But there's just not enough evidence to prove that. So I think the best thing, if you are vegan, it's very simple to do a test to find out your omega-3 blood levels. You can actually just do a prick test and and just send off a a, a prick test and find out your omega-3 levels. Again, I haven't had anybody that's come along to me as a patient that's not deficient when they're not supplementing so the supplementing again is getting better you used to only really find the fish oil supplements on the market but there are now some good algae ones being produced so there is the possibility there of, of you know getting your omega-3 levels up so really those are the two areas the omega-3 the b12 both easy to test but if you just make the assumption that you're vegan and you will be deficient, you probably just save yourself some money on the testing. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Right. Because it's very, very likely, you know. Going
0: back to the omega-3s, can you just, for clarity, um, you know, because oftentimes if you you see food packaging, even a packet of flax seeds, it will say omega-3s, and then it has, like, the three letters underneath, just so that people know what the difference is. So the plant source is...
1: So you've got your ALAs, your DHA, and your EPAs. So, right. Yes. So it would say if you've got your, your flaxseed, it probably says, it depends how accurate they are with their labeling. Uh, it might just say good source of omega-3, but mm-hmm. they they should say probably ALA they should have on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's e- the platform. Right. Yeah, EPA and DHA is only going to be in the animal form. Right. So... Eating stacks and stacks of flaxseed as a vegan is probably good for your fiber levels, uh, but it's not necessarily going to be great for your omega-3 levels. The other
0: problem with flaxseeds is they're so small that oftentimes you don't even break the seeds up when you eat them. You know, they kind of go down hold. (laughs) You actually
1: need to 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 grind. You need to either buy the ground ones... (laughs) you need to buy the ground so or, or grind them yourself because the outer shell is very very hard and your digestive system would have a pretty hard job of doing that you'll probably they probably go straight through you to be honest
0: right right
1: <laughs> <laughs> a bit like sweet corn i think
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah (laughs) the
0: other thing that's um that's super big in the news of course everywhere is is people are talking about the microbiome it's like they've suddenly discovered that this is important um some of us have known that for a long time it kind of makes sense that if something's living with you it's probably there for a reason yeah so um could you maybe talk a little bit about foodstuffs which really support um a microbiome now of course everybody has their also immense diversity but there are some kind of like you know go-to things that one can really make sure that you eat to support a healthy microbiome
1: yeah well we as you said we all have probably have slightly different microbiome um, but one of the things to avoid is sugar for a start and we'll get on to what we should eat in a minute but you know avoiding sugar uh, and that helps if you're avoiding processed food that's 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 a big thing um in terms of what to eat again you can look at your um, you 've got your prebiotics and your probiotics now think about your prebiotics are things that your probiotics feed on if we keep it simply so it 's the food for the 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 gut microbiome. So we need to feed them. They're our, think of them like they're, they're our little pets, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's right. Ones. We don't want to feed the bad ones. We don't want the bad ones we feed sugar and then they just take over, obviously. So we want to avoid the sugar. But so prebiotics is the food for them. And you, you we get that in things like our um, celeriac, um, uh, our leeks, our onions, all of those sort of foods are really good prebiotics fennel and the thing with those foods is i would say if you're not used to eating them go quite slowly because if you suddenly eat a lot of it you can get some digestive discomfort but including those in your varied diet is a really good thing and then fermented foods for your your gut flora so things like your miso fermented miso tempeh um, those sort of things Um, probiotic yogurt obviously but do not buy like the yogurt drinks just just plain natural live yogurt because all of the ones that you see on the market i think what are they called Are they called yakult or Mm -hmm. just read the label It's sugar, the the amount of probiotic that you're getting in there is absolutely minuscule and there's so much sugar in there. So really you're wasting your money. You'd be better in that, you'd be better just to take a a probiotic supplement. But you don't need to do that if you've got a good diet. So your natural yogurts would be great. And those sort of foods, if you have in your varied diet and you're including those, then your gut microbiota should be good.
0: Mm-hmm. So you talked a lot about um, eating a varied diet. What, what does that really mean? Um, I mean, I've I've heard things like eat through the colour spectrum. So yeah. you know, um, you, you know, I actually sometimes get kind of quite distressed when I go to my local greengrocer because I yeah. look around and I go, God, it's just not enough variety you know there's there's just there's all this sort of standard you know a bit of kale a bit of broccoli and you know so um how how does one get good variety and what what is good variety in your eyes
1: well I think good variety is a variety say let's say throughout the week for a start you know not keep eating the same thing day in day out and I know there's always some tendency to do that for certain meals like breakfast I mean we all kind of breakfast is one of those meals we all kind of get a bit stuck I think and we tend to eat a lot of the same food but generally throughout your week whether it's vegetables or if you're eating meat and fish just changing it up all the time as many different herbs and spices and vegetables and your protein sources and you know, whether it's your lentils, your pulses, throughout the week, as many different so that would bring in all your different colours of your vegetables as well. And that's important for your phytonutrients. So you you know, all those colours in the vegetables, the reason we talk about the rainbow is because all of those colours is because of a different phytonutrient within within the food source. And they all have a different role in the body. They're all really useful. So, for instance, your orange foods, they would have beta carotene in. Now, beta carotene, that's a fat-soluble antioxidant, and that's going to accumulate in the fatty layers of the skin. So that's really good for skin health. It's actually really good for, you know, anti-aging, apart from also converting it to vitamin A, which is important as well. Whereas something like your red foods, they've got your flavonoids in, and they can help in lowering blood pressure because they help release nitric oxide from the blood vessel walls which helps relax the blood vessels so that's just two examples you know your green dark green's got your magnesium in so it's really important to have that wide range of colors and how do you get it i know what you mean because you tend to get stuck with the same veg sometimes but i just try to eat seasonally to be honest and it might be that You know, January and February, I eat quite a few Brussels sprouts because they're in season. But they're going to be out of season pretty soon. And I'm going to be on to the next season's thing. So I do think, although we were saying, look at the week, it's not, you know, I'm not going to eat Brussels sprouts seven nights a week, but I might be having them two or three times when they're in season, but then I'm going to move on to what else is in season later on. And I think that really, that's the only way to do it right and, and mix the food up as much as you can rather right. than just getting on stuck. we all tend to get stuck in things because of convenience
0: absolutely and actually also yeah. I you know when I discovered kale chips it was very hard to oh, receive eating those on a daily just, basis
1: <laughs> yes but then what you tend to find is you well eventually you do get bored yeah you do get bored and I think your body's probably saying to you that's that's enough that's enough, or for some people, they actually become intolerant to that food, or they will get symptoms that they perhaps they don't realize. Like, you know, if you were eating maybe a lot of dairy, some people would start to show symptoms of intolerance to that, or maybe some eczema or asthma, possibly. Um, they may not even relate it back to that, but just having the, the as much variety as you can is a much better way to go.
0: Good point dairy um a lot of people say that that dairy is an absolute no no because it's you know not something that adults should should um, yeah. consume and that it's got potential inflammatory effects what what's yeah. your feeling on on dairy products
1: well i I have a mixed view actually I think it's a really really difficult one because it you know dairy is it, you know it starts from the milk of the cow which clearly is meant for a calf and it is very different to if if we go back to the babies go back to baby it's very different to a mother's milk because actually a calf is a big animal with a little brain and we are a small animal respectively with a big brain you know we have different needs the fatty acid composition is different the protein levels are different um and so i do sort of think well it's not really meant for us is it because if you really go back to nature we're taking the calves' milk Mm -hmm. we are that that is what we are doing so I'm never too much of a fan of the dairy industry but on the other hand it does have good nutrients in it for us so it's really a toss-up and I think there's no right or wrong answer obviously if you're vegan you're going to avoid your dairy for whatever reason but I think again it's about making sure if you enjoy it you enjoy it but you don't necessarily eat it all the time you know it's a balance it comes back into that varied diet if you don't enjoy it or or you don't believe in the dairy industry then don't eat it but I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer to be honest you know, and I think a lot of the, there's a lot of um, kind of fashion about these alternative milks because of the whole talk about dairy and it being inflammatory and everything else. But you can you can still become intolerant if you like to having too much of that. You know, if if you all you're going to do is is have nuts and almond milk and peanut butter, and you know you're putting then so much. Nuts into your diet, which could give you more problems.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So the kind of golden rule of all of this is is just kind of moderate and vary.
1: It's moderate. So so I do have I do have dairy. If if I'm at home, for instance, I in my porridge I have oat milk because Mm. I like I like I'm having oats, so I have oat milk with it. For me, that makes sense. If I'm making myself my daily cappuccino which is my treat (laughs) i use almond milk because again i like the flavor if i'm out i would order a a cappuccino with full fat dairy milk because i don't particularly like the way cafes make it with alternative milks i Mm -hmm. I just i'm a bit fussy i just like the way i make it so it's having the variety and but i don't eat masses and masses of dairy that it worries me too much
0: Right, right. Yeah, my thing is butter. I do like the occasional little bit of butter. Butter,
1: <laughs> butter. again, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I tend to, occasionally I'll cook with it. Um, if I want to do things like saute leeks.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly.
1: It's the flavour. But again, it comes back to variety. You're not going to do butter every night. You're not going to do your vegetables every night in butter. And if it makes that dish taste awesome, then... If you're happy eating butter, why not?
0: Right. The one thing we haven't spoken about is the quality of food because, you know, yeah. you, can, you can eat real food and you can eat it, um, you know, and you can eat varied and moderate. Yes. But how important is the quality? I mean, the, the long and the short of it is that if you eat organic food, um, especially meat, um, but even vegetables, you know, it, it's going to hurt your wallet. There's no two ways about yep. it. And a lot of people you know, feel that they can't actually spend that kind of money on on organic food. Is there a huge benefit to eating organically or is that also a bit of hype?
1: I think there is. I think you can make choices, though, to which things perhaps you do eat organic or where you source them from. For instance, things like the vegetables, I have done a few tests where, and again, actually, this is between two organic um, sweet potatoes, funnily enough. So I do buy my fruit and veg from Riverford. That's not a plug. I have nothing to do with Riverford, but (laughs) I do buy mine from Riverford and um, I have compared their sweet potatoes with ones from supermarkets, which are organic yet alone the non-organic ones. And when you cut them in half, the color difference is quite substantial. Now, we were talking earlier about the phytonutrients, phytochemicals and all those beautiful colors. The paler that sweet potato, I'm knowing that actually it's not as nutrient dense. I want nutrient dense food. I don't want to eat this food that doesn't have so so many nutrients in it. So I do think it's worth sourcing the best food you can. And it's not always about necessarily organic. It could be from a local farm. It's about knowing where it comes from. I think organic would always be my preference because really I don't want to be eating lots of pesticides.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there is a journey and we we all have to make choices depending on you know what our budget is. And it would be much better to eat a sweet potato from a source that you know, maybe from a farm you know, that's quite nutrient dense.
0: Sorry, I had to apologize to the viewers. I have my cat in the background and he's yeah. snoring, so apologies for that.
1: I can't that. <laughs> but yes so you know so which would i rather eat you know it's about making those choices if you if you're eating non-organic food then obviously particularly your veg making sure that you really wash the food very very well so that you can try and remove the pesticides but it it is for me it's about knowing where my food comes from as as much as as anything and in terms of the meat, um, it's about knowing how those animals were treated, really, you know, and it's not mass produced necessarily. I like to buy from small farms for my meat. Mm -hmm. I don't actually like to even buy from the supermarket because I think they're very big producers generally. I like to know where it comes from. The animals are treated well. They're out, you know, grass fed and everything else. So it's about making those choices and we all have to decide which bits we can afford and which bits we can't. I would rather have a smaller portion of a nutrient-dense food than I would a larger portion of something that's not got so many nutrients in. And I think you would be more satisfied probably if there were more nutrients in it. You know, just comparing those sweet potatoes, there's not really going to be much flavor if they're very, very pale they're not going to be, I'm not going to enjoy it as much. And then I'm probably going to want more. Right. So right. it's really working out your own budget and, and deciding what you could do. And also I think the whole money debate is you can spend so much on processed food. So much. It's so expensive. The, the further you move on that journey to preparing as much yourself as you can, the more money you will have to spend on the higher quality food because if you just think of the cost of anything in a packet it's absolutely extortionate even if it's a hummus just take hummus hummus is so simple tin of chickpeas in the blender a squeeze of lemon one clove of garlic and some salt you're done in what three minutes cost of tin of chickpeas uh, it's it's not as much as buying a a pot of hummus. You're probably right. paying at least double. So it's yeah. really going on that journey and um, and just seeing how far you can go along that journey. And people don't need to do it all in one go. We all start from somewhere, right? But every mm-hmm. single thing that you can change, you're moving along that journey, and you know what goes in your food then when you're making it yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, and we know are what, what we eat. So
1: <laughs> we are what we eat. So you're just talking about the hummus. So You know, if if I ever do buy a hummus from a supermarket, I have to stand there reading all the labels, which drives me mad, to try and find one that is made with olive oil and not rapeseed or sunflower because I won't buy them with those oils. And it takes me forever. And you'd be surprised, actually, the ones that you might think to pick up um, aren't actually made with olive oil.
0: Right right
1: actually you need to look with the one with olive. of so some of the organic hummus that you is actually more expensive and you look at it and you say oh it's got a nice pretty label on it it's all organic i'll, I'll grab that one look at the label it's very often rapeseed or sunflower oil whereas just go for a branded supermarket product find it olive oil and it's normally cheaper
0: Great. Well, what's actually the problem with the oils? Perhaps you can actually discuss that because that's, that's actually quite a fairly recent thing that's, that's become, you know, um, yes. more, more known. So olive oil is good and, and I think coconut oil too, perhaps, but um, even though that's saturated, but all of the oils, these polyunsaturated that yeah. we've been told for years are really good for us are actually not. Right? Yeah. So can yeah. you talk a bit about that and maybe just go through the list of the ones yeah. to avoid?
1: Well, really, the, the the only oils I would use would be olive oil, coconut butter or oil, whatever you want to call it. And I would use butter, as we said before. You know, mm-hmm. if it's right for the dish, I'm going to use it. And the, the reasoning behind olive oil is, first of all, it's um, full of polyphenols, which are really good. You know very supportive of, for our health and you and you can only you look at the olive oil in the dark bottles and you can see the, the, the color there the dark you know from the olives um, but also they contain a very small amounts of Omega three and six now the three and six are the ones that we want to keep in balance so olive oil is mainly oleic acid, which is omega-9, that doesn't impact on that balance. So that's the second reason for using the olive oil. So why not use the others? So what's happened, because of the processed food industry, and obviously they want to make things cheaply, they put in cheap ingredients. So our processed food is full of sunflower oil and all these other cheap oils, basically. Um, pick up any packet, and you pretty much guarantee it's going to be in there. So before we had processed food, a little bit of those oils wouldn't have been a problem because it wasn't a huge part of our diet. But as people have eaten more and more processed food, the amount of omega, they're omega-6 oils, which then goes down to an inflammatory cascade, rather anti-inflammatory is omega-3. Mm-hmm. So people are eating huge amounts of omega-6 because those oils are in all the processed foods. And that pushes them down a very inflammatory cascade. And people are eating something like 22 times more omega-6 than they are even three. And of course then consumption of omega-3, if somebody's not eating their oily fish, can be very low. So the whole balance has gone out Right. And really, you know, getting back to eating real food, if you're not eating the processed food, then your omega-3, and omega-6 is going to be much more balanced anyway. So if I want to add a really nice flavor oil to my salad, I might use sesame and, or something like that. I'm not that bothered. I'm doing it every now and again. And it tastes good, again, a bit like the butter. But I'm not having a huge amount of omega-6 coming into my diet. So that's fine because we've gone back to a real food diet. And also the things like the margarines, which are, you know, all the sunflower oils. Just look at the ingredients. It's horrible. I mean, they're one molecule away from being a plastic. And let's face it, they taste like it.
0: The one thing about margarine was that i um when I was a student, I left a ton of, a tub of margarine in my fridge for it must have been three years probably and, didn't
1: go off and then
0: uh, exactly that was exactly the point point. and then when I moved out, I dug to the back of the fridge um because you know I wasn't so tidy as a student, and there was this tub of margarine and it looked exactly the same and i yeah. and that in itself really freaked me out. I thought you know if it stays yeah. there. Forever and it doesn't go off.
1: No, this not good
0: for you. <laughs>
1: it's not exactly it's not it's not real food, is it? Exactly. So, so that's really the thing. And then the coconut, or you know, the coconut because it is good in different cooking situations. Mm-hmm. So it's got a very high smoke point. So, you know, for roasting things like potatoes, it's very good um, because obviously the olive oil doesn't have such a high smoke point. So I would use my olive oil kind of stove top. But mm-hmm. if I was hot roasting or for a long time, I'd be using the coconut. Although, you know, even at Christmas, Christmas different, it was goose fat. Goose fat for the roast potatoes.
0: Wow, well, once a year. They no make problem.
1: the best roast potatoes they ever. Do.
0: They do. I have to agree with that. Yeah. You've given us an absolute wealth of information. Um, is there, is there like, I guess we've we've talked about it already, but maybe just to encapsulate it, one sort of take home message for everybody listening: how to eat healthily. So let's just summarize everything that you've said in a in a sentence. To
1: summarize, okay, I'll summarize forty five minutes exactly. <laughs> um, um, just well, just a simple
0: take home. Yeah, yeah,
1: just what we talked about at the beginning. So you know, minimize your processed food. Eat real food. If it flew, grew, swam, or or well, I've I've done that in the wrong order. Swam, flew, grew, or <laughs> <laughs> ran, swam, flew, or grew. Okay. There we go. Um, then eat it. Variety, eat in season, and eat three meals a day. And that's Wonderful. you know that sends you in a, on a good path to
0: health great and of course for anybody who's listening who's interested in any of the courses or popping into the restaurant we'll put the the links in the in the show notes so that you can find out what's going on there i'd love to do one myself i'm sort of such a course addict um, Are you? <laughs> yeah i just love learning things it's it's uh, you know maybe i'll actually do that i think it might be very interesting yeah um I have three little questions that I always ask all of my guests just before yep. we go. Um, because London Heal is all about mind, body, spirit, medicine. Mm-hmm. And I do like kind of capture those that idea in health, happiness, and serenity. So for you personally, how do you define health? What does that word mean for you?
1: Health, what does it mean for me? Um, I think it's about being able to live the lifestyle that you want to live so you you have the health to be able to do that and for me that's about being mentally you know stimulated and alert my brain will work my body will work i want to be able to still do things when i'm 90 that i do now and for me that's about health it's about longevity and feeling good yeah you need to feel good Great. i'm being in, in the absence of disease obviously that goes without saying it's the the absence of disease
0: right and what about happiness what does heather do to make her happy
1: what does i do to make me happy <laughs> that for me is about uh well it's enjoying everything i do in the day but it's about being with friends and family And, you know, it's about community, but being, I I could have the most rewarding job in the world, which I do, but without your friends and family, you know, that's not really happiness. So it's about taking time out to spend with them, making sure one thing we always do, and we have done always, is that we have one meal a day as a family where we sit down. And we will never miss that meal. And it's always dinner because everybody's running around for breakfast and lunch. But for me, that's really important, the whole family community and bring us together every day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So many people just don't do that anymore. And uh, they just eat no. eat on the go, walking down the street and never, never in community. It's so important.
1: No, it is important. That's really vital for our health as well, our mental health, but also our physical health. It affects us so much how we eat and eating should be social. Mm-hmm. It should be enjoyable and social as well as give, it's not just about giving us nutrients. There's a lot right. more to, to food than that.
0: Absolutely. And what about serenity? Do you have any specific practices? You know, we've talked about this crazy world we live in. And uh, sometimes I think we all forget that every now and again, we just have to turn down the noise. So uh, what what do you do to kind of get those moments of serenity or do you even think it's important
1: i do and it's difficult i think it's very very difficult because there is always something more we can do in our day there is always you know you, we could work 24 7 and it still wouldn't be enough time so for me i make an absolute rule every evening i read a book, which has nothing to do with work, it's a novel, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter whether it's one page and I fall asleep, or it's three chapters and I fall asleep, but I will always read that, it completely takes me to a different place, so I, I just love re- I love reading crime novels actually, but it, because it's just so different to my world. Um, so that's one thing I do Just getting out in the fresh air Even if it's just walking with a dog That is huge for me in the day When I'm spending a lot of time sitting at a desk So just that outdoor space you know, Outdoor fresh air And just not being on the phone I try to restrict my phone usage And my social usage Which is really, really important So when I'm working, I'm working The phone is aside And, you know, I'm not continually responding to emails. That's the other thing. I think having um, that peacefulness within your working environment is as important as the other things. So being quite structured in the way you work. So if, if I'm going to be, you know, Working for three hours in the morning, I'm not going to be checking the emails or looking at Instagram or answering the phone or anything else. So you can really focus on what you're doing. And actually, although you're still working, that does give you serenity. It Mm -hmm. gives you that level of peace and focus that you're not completely bombarded in every direction by answering everybody else's needs. Mm
0: hmm perfect so
1: so really and and I do meditate sometimes I'm not so good at it but occasionally I will use um, some apps where I would just lie down in the evening plug the headphones in and listen to meditation and I think that's really good as well excellent great
0: well that just leaves me to thank you so much for coming on the show Um, I'm sure there's loads more and we could have you know, we could
1: go on forever we could go on
0: forever and and maybe um at some point we we should do that maybe I'll, um if you have the time i'd love to have you back and we can really kind of go into some nuts and bolts of of the real science of of some of this nutrition yes. because i think the more that we're beginning to understand um you know the more relevance it has to, to our choices and that's really really important absolutely so thank you so much heather um i Absolutely acknowledge you for what you're doing. I think it's a wonderful mission. Um, I share it. I think empowerment is super important. Knowledge is power. And um, yeah, all power to you. Keep going. And thank Thank you you for your very valuable work.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for inviting me.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. Well, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Heather as much as I did. Um, I think nutrition is a hugely, hugely valuable thing, and we really need to start to understand how important it is because, as we mentioned during this episode, you are what you eat. Every single one of your cells is made up of the building blocks that you put in your mouth and you chew and digest. That's where they come from. And quality in, quality out. Rubbish in, rubbish out. So take good care eat well and healthy and take Heather's excellent advice. Um, And that just leaves me as always to ask you to please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Also go over to our Facebook page and like it and please leave a review there too, if possible. And also if you would like to receive extended show notes for future episodes, so that you don't have to listen with a pencil and paper um, and take notes while you're listening, then all you have to do is become a London Heal Insider over at LondonHeal.com, and then as the new episodes come out, you'll receive all of the different links to access it, plus exclusive access to extended show notes only available at LondonHeal.com. And so, dear listeners, that just leaves me to wish you, as always health, happiness, and serenity.